Hello and happy Valentine's Day. How are you guys? Hope you're having a wonderful day and have some really nice plants for a favorite Hallmark holiday. Welcome to episode number four of Listen, titled, Can Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan Please Adopt Me? I'm your host, Rupal Goyle, but you can call me Roops. This is a show where I give hot takes and social commentary on topics I really have no business giving hot takes about, but I do it anyway. Each week, I cover a different topic with a super cool featured guest. Last episode, I sat down with my friend Domo to talk about women in the workplace and what it means to have diversity. This week, in the spirit of Valentine's Day, we'll be discussing the merits of romantic comedies and why there's still such a powerhouse genre to this day. We'll break down the subgenres, discuss some of our longtime favorites, and dive into the deeper side of rom-coms and the really the meaningful aspects of them. My guest this week is a beautiful, intellectual friend of mine, Abby Yates, a student at Georgia Tech. She's a business major with a film and media studies minor and a fellow rom-com fan. Her knowledge of the classics is unmatched. She can literally quote the iconic Pride and Prejudice rain scene from Heart without missing a beat, which is, in my opinion, the ultimate fan goals. Now, without further ado, let's roll. So Valentine's Day is today, the day I decided to release my podcast just a little early for all you lover boys out there. And lover girls. Lover girls, lover boys, lover people. Oh, we don't, ex- we don't discriminate. We're going to have a really special episode today where I talk about one of my favorite topics of literally all time, movies. And more specifically, rom-coms, which is probably the best genre on this planet. Not even debatable. Not debatable. Yes. So Abby and I are self-proclaimed rom-com aficionados. Absolutely. Obsessed. We're going to go through just a couple of the major categories of rom-coms, you know, the different movies in there that are very important, very prominent in the categories, and then delve into really those themes and why rom-coms go beyond your standard chick flick. So to recap, we'll be going over ensembles, period dramas, classics, new age movies, including Netflix and big budget studio films, and then movies that we won't dive into, but we do love anyway, such as Disney movies, Legally Blonde, you know, stuff that doesn't focus on um, romance, but has that rom-com element in it, Um, dystopian movies like Twilight and Divergent, and then musicals like Rent, Les Mis, High School Musical, a favorite, and then Phantom of the Opera. So we won't really be going into those because they deserve their own spot. And there's just so much to cover in that. But we especially do. Disney. Especially wow. Disney. Especially Disney's. I mean, it's, genre, it's dominant. Absolutely. The biggest genre. But yeah, so let's just dive right into it. Ensembles. So ensembles, I think it's worth noting, obviously, Valentine's Day. Yes. That's a big one because <laughs> it's the day we're celebrating. But these ensembles, I feel like, honestly, kind of missed the mark. So there's a reason that I think the classics, where's the one-on-one, perform a little bit better. I think it's just a little bit of an overload when you have all these cast members coming together and there's so many storylines going. You know, we have limited attention spans. So there's the part where it's nice to jump from story to story, maybe, but it's hard to follow. But I do think one worth noting as well, a separate from Valentine's Day, which RuPaul and I were discussing, there's this iconic scene where Jennifer Garner is talking to Patrick Dempsey and she basically exposes him. I mean, a total like, expose him in front of his wife. And she's the waitress and she got, uh, was able to go in because basically she's a teacher. And through that, one of her students, his father works in this restaurant that she then comes in to make this grand entrance as their waitress on Valentine's Day. 
completely exposed in front of his wife. And there, there's a lot of, you know, feminism, some empowerment in that. But, hey, you cheated. Um, would you like a lying, stinking pig is your, <laughs> your main course? And so there, there are definitely really good moments in those. But I think maybe not as much hitting the mark as something like a Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan classic, yes. which we'll dive into later. Yes. The title of the podcast is Can Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan Please Adopt Me? Because Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan are the most iconic romantic duo probably that I can remember. In recent years, yes. But I would argue that actually Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone <gasps> yes. are trying to come in. They're taking over yes. that role. They're the, the kind of the new age yes. Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. The Ryan Gosling Emma Stone pairing and the Bradley Cooper Jennifer Lawrence pairing. Also worth, worth noting, are, very much so. Yes, are two modern ones that are trying to become that Nora Ephron classic. Mm -hmm. And you know, I love it. Who doesn't? But yes, you make a great point. Like Bradley Cooper, Jennifer Lawrence, they've got Silver Linings Playbook, they've got Serena. We didn't, oh, we didn't mention, but there's, um, you know, it's not rom-com, it's kind of separate ones that maybe we shouldn't get into, but there's A Star Is Born. It's yes. definitely more musical. Yes. Where Bradley Cooper makes his directorial debut. That's mm -hmm. definitely... A, Got romantic elements, but obviously pursues a lot bigger themes. And then, yes, Emma Stone and um, Ryan Gosling. They get into crazy, iconic. stupid love. I mean, La La Land, absolutely iconic. Amazing, amazing. They're really becoming that classic couple, mm -hmm. and I love it. But, you know, the ensemble such as Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve, Mother's Day, like, you watch them and you're not getting that amazing um, feel that you get from those classic one-on-ones. No, there's but there's one that's in the Christmas category. <laughs> that is an ensemble that is absolutely oh. worth noting. Do you guys know which one we're talking about? If you could guess. But um, it's Love Actually. Yes. Okay, that one, there's a lot to follow. There are definitely some storylines that are maybe something you wouldn't honestly think of. You know, the Kira Knightley moment where mm -hmm. uh, the best friend of the groom is professing his love in front of her and pretends that there are carolers there and he's yeah. bringing all these signs across. Yeah. You know, an unlimited amount of memes have yeah. been made about like, that. What's the point of doing that? She's married. I know. And it's really... <laughs> Okay, maybe not the most comforting of things, but you know, you have Hugh Grant and you've got, uh, oh, there's Colin Firth. Colin Firth. Who doesn't love Colin Emma Firth? Thompson. We're going to get into Pride and Emma yes. Thompson. She was in Sense and Sensibility, a period drama. You know, I think that that love actually among the ensembles is worth noting. Is, I think, the top ensemble. Mm -hmm. And, you know, great segue into period dramas. Period dramas um, are my favorite. Can I? I will never get over Pride and Prejudice, the 2005 version and the 1990s. 2005 version. There's the miniseries with yes. Colin Firth, which Amazing. is absolutely incredible. I've said absolutely about 50 times in this Good, podcast. it is. <laughs> but absolutely incredible because Colin Firth is Mr. Darcy. I mean, through and through, he yes. kills it. But then Matthew McFadden comes in with Keira Knightley, and she oh, is the winner of period dramas. I mean, she loves to do them. She's spoken in interviews yes. about how much she loves to do them. Anna Karenina. Anna Karenina. And then you've got, um, she's coming out in a new one. But she she dominates this, and that's because she's so good at, oh, Imitation Game, not a rom-com, but um, definitely a period drama of sorts. And Pride and Prejudice, she really takes on, I think, something that's worth noting in terms of period dramas, and that's kind of early feminism. Yes. You know, like the Brontes, the uh, Jane Austen, they were very precocious in their in their feminist roles. And the Elizabeth Bennet, there's and Jane Eyre, uh, obviously Jane Eyre. There's this iconic quote in the book, and it says, "Reader, I married him." And it's this big moment because it's not about even them coming together. It's not he married her. It's I married I him. I chose to marry him. Yes. Which is huge because, you know, these are gr female writers in the 1800s. They, yeah. they don't have the platform maybe to get across what they want to say, yeah. but they're able to get it 
through these characters and they're, it's incredible like, their female characters never lost their agency mm -mm. throughout all the, all the books they were independent they were outspoken they had brains they were thinking and you know speaking their mind and they made those decisions in a time where women didn't get to make a lot of big decisions i mean elizabeth bennett turned down two proposals two and there's the scene, I mean the scene, where it's Matthew McFadden and Kira Knightley and they're in the rain and it's pouring down and they're spitting their words at each other. Right. That was actually an interview I watched the other day where they, they literally said spitting words at each other. And Kira Knightley discussed that and how much she loved the dialogue in the director's choice. His name yes. is Joe Wright, I believe. Yes. And how they're able to just go back and forth so quickly and then at the end there's even this almost kiss. Almost. And you think they're gonna... And he doesn't. And he doesn't! And there's, it's such a big moment, but she has just turned him down and then that's when the scene entirely shifts, you know, who's pride, who's prejudice, and they yeah. both relax like, a little bit on their yeah. boundaries and... Like, who's holding the dominance in the relationship? I have goosebumps thinking about that, just so, just saying. But it doesn't matter because yes. there's no person that Amazing. should be dominant. You know, no. Man, no one needs to wear the pants. Yeah. You can both have a legging. They're you equal! Know? Exactly! And that's what I think makes these early period dramas so worth noting. So good. Maybe not as calm as they are wrong, but still worth noting. So good. They're so, so good. I will never get over the soundtracks for Pride and Prejudice. Just the music is amazing. The piano. Just, oh, yes. Is unparalleled. I went out and I got the music. I had to learn it. Like, the credit scenes music, the music when he's walking across the meadow to see her and he he's talking about, like, how he love, love, loves her. It's and then there's the there's the, the dialogue that everyone loves. I've actually got this on a mug yeah. in my apartment, and it says, you have bewitched me, me body, body and soul, and, and I love, love, I love, I love, love you. you. I mean, the fact that wow. we can even quote it to each yeah. other proves Come it's, on. its lasting impact. Bewitched me, body and soul. Hello, men out there listening. <laughs> That's all you have to say to me. Bewitch me. Just, just literally use that quote. I'm yours. I'm done. It's over. I don't need to search for a man anymore. Definitely not. God, I'm so lonely. <laughs> wow. No, we are literally... Lifting up people on we're this lovely yes, Valentine's Day. You know, if you're single, it's fine. You can find love in Matthew McFadden and Pride and Watch Prejudice. these movies tonight. Yes. And don't do feel it. sad. Feel lifted up because feminism. Feminism. <laughs> we can find, we can make those But decisions. men, watch it as well. And like, like Rupal said, you know, maybe know what to say. Know what to say. Know that we want to hear that. Exactly. So moving into classic. Oh my goodness. So much so to discuss many. here. Okay, I'm just gonna kick it off with one of my favorite classics of probably all time because I love Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock like my real parents. The Proposal. The Proposal. Iconic. Also got some feminist undertones in it. Yes. The fact that she is such a, part of my French, badass yes. working woman and she kind of has to, to to work a situation here to figure out how she gets to keep doing her job. And then he's got this passion. And the reason he even considers this is because he's gone against his parents' expectations to be an editor. And he wants to do this so badly, opposed to taking over the family business in Canada. Or not Canada, pardon me, Alaska. Yeah. And... Close enough. Close. It's very, very close, obviously. The fact that he has to push that envelope and then they fall in love. I mean, it's who doesn't love the proposal? Come and the on. scene with Kevin, the fluffy dog. Yes. That they're then, you know, almost, Betty White says he's going to get taken by eagles. And then Sandra Bullock with Betty White in the woods. <laughs> the woods the ritual. Oh my gosh. Or where they're on the plane and Sandra Bullock asks him, what am I allergic to? And he's like, pine nuts in the full spectrum of human emotion. <laughs> 
the oh the dialogue in that movie is also cutting awesome. so good they've got incredible chemistry yeah so we we're 10 minutes in we're on classics let's we're gonna speed it up i'm gonna run through some of the titles that we love 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 mm-hmm. uh 16 candles all the john hughes movies you john know, hughes are, they the made 80s. a big impact to everyone in the 80s huge pretty in pink 16 candles oh, I love pretty in amazing pink. breakfast club like huge ones right then Anything we, with Molly Ringwald, basically. Molly Ringwald, my real mother. Um, <laughs> and no, that's Meg. That, that's Meg. I want Meg. Oh, speaking of Meg Ryan, um, should we jump right mail? Okay. So, Rupal, I think Sleepless in Seattle is where is you should discuss. Yes. Given how much you love it, yes. but if I may dive into You've Got Mail. <laughs> You've Got Mail. So there's this scene in You've Got Mail, and for those of you that don't know, You've Got Mail is kind of the. Tell us um, what it's about. Okay, so You've Got Mail is. Basically about two people who are finding love in the age of the internet, where it's, it's kind of up and coming. Like and AOL. Literally. literally, AOL. And there's this line that everyone, when everyone opens their email, it says, you've got mail. And it's two people who are pen pals. And, you know, don't start thinking of catfishing automatically because it's supposed to be much more intimate, much more uh, about two people coming together in that movie. But basically, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan write to each other. And they're both in relationships and don't know if it, it's there's not a lot of passion they don't know if it's the right person for them necessarily but they love speaking to this one person and you know open their laptops in anticipation of what that person's going to say and it's really sweet spoiler alert they get together and it walks you through this whole thing of how they kind of become friends and how their lives intersect in new york city and then at the end somewhere over the rainbow plays when meg ryan finally figures out that tom hanks is her pen pal and they discuss everything, not, they don't discuss anything actually, I'm gonna backtrack there. They don't discuss anything, all she says is, I wanted it to be you. I wanted it to be you so badly. And there's a golden retriever by Tom Hanks side, because of course he has a golden retriever, he's America's dad. And then suddenly they start kissing, and somewhere over the rainbow's playing, and they're in the Central Park, and there are flowers everywhere, and I cry every single time. And like, the goosebumps that had just disappeared after <laughs> Pride and Prejudice are now back. <laughs> they should be. They're, They're pop- iconic. Like my face, you guys, my ears are turning red. I'm just, I can't stop thinking about how much I love it. You've got mail, classic. Sleepless in Seattle is, I cry at the end every time. It's so heartwarming. Just the relationship between Tom Hanks and his child and what his son does to try to get him someone. And just like the whole romance, the fact that they ne- they don't meet each other until the very end. So this whole movie is building up the anticipation. It, you Like the testament to the rom-com genre of they don't even have to be next to each other for you to feel the feelings they're feeling mm-hmm. like there's so, it's so intense that one's amazing also another great one set in new york city yes not entirely set in new york city actually not at all but there's the iconic scene at the end where they're on the top of the empire state yes. building an incredible scene on the top of the empire state yes. building it's, it's iconic that one when harry met sally Number one favorite for me. Amazing. Tied with Pride and Prejudice, but also set in New York City during the fall, even though it goes through multiple years of their lives, but they have a lot of fall sequences. And then there's the classic line at the end where he says, it's Frank Sinatra's It Had to Be You. And, um, well, it's a different singer, but it's it's, It Had to Be You at the end. And Harry literally runs across New York City to get to this New Year's Eve party. And they've had all these New Year's Eve parties before, and it's another Meg Ryan film. And finally he gets to her and he's out of breath, he's panting, and he tells her at New Year's Eve, says, when you find out, when you figure out who you want to be with for the rest of your life, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. Ah! It's a variation of that, but that's the end, and everybody just gets it. I mean, I it's it. incredible. I love it. And everyone gets goosebumps, as you have with yes. Pride Prejudice and discussing Tom Hanks and Meg yes. Ryan. I mean, yes. that is one of the best scenes, I think, in 
film in rom-coms. Honestly. And Billy Crystal just kills it. Correct. That one. Now, we'll list out a couple of more and then move on. You know, uh, The Wedding Date with Dermot Mulroney and Deborah Messing, Wedding Crashers, um, Two Weeks Notice with Sandra Bullock, My Other Mother, um, P.S. I Love You, 16 Candles, 27 Dresses, an iconic, iconic wow, movie. Wow, the Benny and the Jets scene in that? Oh my gosh, yes. Will never I, be forgotten. I will never forget. I will always associate. Um, Knocked Up, 51st Dates, Oh, The Holiday, a movie that I watch every Christmas. Goes in the Christmas category um, with serendipity. Yep. Oh. And then our queen mother, Jennifer Garner, with 13 going on 30. I mean, uh, Ariana Grande literally put that in her thank you next <laughs> yes, music video because yes. of how great it was. Uh, Knocked Up, Sweet Home Alabama. There are just so many, right? You can go on and on and on and on. Mm -hmm. But, you know, let's move on from the classics because they're so good. But we need, we really need to pay close attention to these incredible new age ones coming out. Like, especially with Netflix. Um, they're really breaking the mold with some of these movies and like the representation and the dynamic uh, cast they've got. For example, um, one of the biggest ones so far is To All the Boys I Loved Before, right? Noah Centineo has taken over everyone's mind, body, and soul, and I love, I love, I love <laughs> He's him. America's boyfriend now. America's Honestly. boyfriend, the internet boyfriend of our dreams. Um, set it up, another hysterical, Another hysterical great one set in New York City. Yes. They love to set, have the setting there, but mm -hmm. honestly it works. Yeah, right? Um, the Kissing Booth? Mm. Not a big fan. Not, not a, a big fan. Not a big fan of Sarah Burgess's Loser either, no. but it also has Noah Centineo, my real boyfriend. So These plots just needed a little bit more They work. just need more. They, it right? was just an underdeveloped idea. Yeah. I underdeveloped. Think, I think with Tall the Wizzle before, Jenny Han wrote such a powerhouse trilogy. Like, the books are incredible. You should read them. But the movie is just like, they made sure to get a diverse cast. Like, they didn't mess around with the casting. Not at all. Yeah. And the thing is, there's so many cute moments in that movie, and so many people like to say it's kind of the, the revival of rom-coms. Yes. Because you had a lot of great rom-coms in, you know, the 90s and early 2000s, but it, it seems like there haven't been a lot in recent years. And yeah. now with streaming, the, the game's kind of changing, and just in, uh, in general how people watch movies and television. Yeah. And I think to all the boys I've loved before, really proves that you can hit home with a rom-com at any time. Yes, yes. And then you have, you know, the big budget studio ones. I'll start with some of the ones that are um, breaking the mold, you know, the ones that don't, um, they're not like old movies. They're very different. They're very um, diverse, uh, such as Call Me By Your Name, not a com, but a little more rom-com, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, they have, it's about like a beautiful gay love story. And with Timothy, they, Timothy Chalamet. With Timothy Chalamet and Army yeah. Hammer. Yes, I love them both so much. Oh, I, he's I, a great dresser. Just yes, a side they're note. beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, when I met Army Hammer in New York, uh, you I told met him, him? Yeah, we'll go into that later. Amazing. I cried a little. But uh, <laughs> when I got to meet him after one of his Broadway shows, I told him that I saw Call Me By Your Name six times and he was incredibly impressed. <laughs> Who would not be pleased? <laughs> impressed? Afraid? I'm not sure. But Doesn't amazing, matter. amazing. And then Love, Simon, you know, where mm -hmm. they treat it like a normal rom-com. They don't um, make a huge deal out of the fact that he's um, gay and he is in the closet. So it's about him coming out and how his um, coming out happened in mm -hmm. high school. And it's a coming of age and switching around of the typical exactly. coming of age. You know, there's there's the bully and there's, you know, students that have cliche groups and such. But it's mm -hmm. just about the way that he deals with this taboo subject of sorts in high school. Exactly, right? And how he takes control. So you have those. You have um, movies like that beat the formula, mm -hmm. you know? So you have your mold breakers, right? You have diversity of crazy rich Asians. Which is doing incredible in the award season. Incredible, amazing. Uh, Henry Golding, love him. And there's the Constance scene. Wu, I know I'm her. getting so stuck on these uh, scenes, but so the end, good. the wedding. 
where uh, can't help falling in love is yes, playing slowly oh, yes. as water cascades down the aisle and there's a groom and a bride looking at each other and then you see Constance Wu looking at Henry Golding and they're both crying or at least he says I love you and she's crying and everyone's crying everyone's crying I'm crying, crying. <laughs> I mean crying. my mother's crying my boyfriend's crying <laughs> everyone is crying and it, there's a reason it's just beautiful right and it also has really adult themes in it it's about family about love about respect about yes. being different about accepting yourself in any area and like being confident in your personality and your stature exactly and like classism mm -hmm. just so much right my mother grew up in actually a, a single parent household and she cried, not in the traditional wedding scene. I mean, she, I'm sure she does well. She's a sap like me. But she cried when Constance Wu was talking to Henry Golding's mother and saying, you know, you may not think I'm good enough. I know I'm good enough. Yeah, but that was that's a power scene. Away. The end it's one. a power scene, but it proves, you know, the rom-coms can deal with really adult themes because yeah. that touched my mother, someone almost 50 years old who stills, that reminds her of her childhood. Yeah. It's just amazing that you have that kind of representation. Like we've been looking for something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And that is another amazing book trilogy. Like these Asian authors writing incredible <laughs> series, right? Crazy Rich Asians. Amazing. I read the first book. I'm gonna have to get into the God, you have two. to. It's so good. And it really dives deep into the culture and the values and why his mom was so against her, right? Mm -hmm. Like in the movie, you they don't really go into it as much, but the book really talks about the class structure and like the, the disparity of wealth in their families and how that affects their relationship, right? But those are really good going through, like, beats the formula. The classic boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl back. Right? So that's the formula we have. And then movies like 500 Days of Summer. La La Land. La La Land. Those are big movies the that... The Breakup. Right? Like, they don't get back together. No. And you're rooting for them to, yet they don't. And yeah. that's so hard for you to stand behind. And it's so hard to accept at the end. For example, my sister, who's a musician, loves La La Land because yeah. she loves how it's the pursuit of their individual dreams. Mm -hmm. And even if they can't be together, you know, this was what they wanted to do with their life and they're accomplished. Exactly. But I'm a big romance lover, mm -hmm. a hopeless romantic. So at the end, I was upset. I was so mad. I, I mean, you do, you, they have the whole montage at the end where you look, about, look at what their life could have been and then they just rip it away from you. Like, and oh, just kidding. It completely beats the formula, but that's why it's memorable also. Yeah, because it's also realistic. Not everyone gets the girl. Not everyone stays with the girl. And not everyone finds those dreams and dares to follow them. And exactly. the ones that do, the ones that dare to dream, like, you know, we have to respect their wishes and what happens out of it. And you've got that song in the musical, you know, where she sings about her aunt, here's to the ones that dream. It's uh -huh. the audition song. I mean, that touches so many people, so many young musicians. I know my sister cries during that scene mm -hmm. because of you know, here's to the ones that dream. Like, here they are, you know, and you may not maybe get everything, but dreams are worth following. Yeah, it's just amazing. And then, you know, last but not least, your beautiful traditional movies, right? Like the mm -hmm. ones that tried and true, classic fun formula, fun-loving. Fun we got Letters to Juliet, uh, What's Your Number, The Prince and Me, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, My Best Friend's Wedding, Crazy Stupid Love. Friends with Benefits and No Strings Attached. Oh, too quality. And I love that Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis are together. Like, I just love that so I much. Mean, who doesn't? And they were both in one of these movies. It's right? Kind of funny. And then they talk about how they each, they had that kind of story. That's how they started. Mm -hmm. And you, I think Mila Kunis even says, you know, we should have probably learned from the movies we did, but <laughs> it doesn't necessarily work. Right? Uh, the 40-Year-Old Virgin. Mm, because Anything with Steve Carell right? is Steve Carell, fantastic. Classic. We won't get into The Office, but... Exactly. And then you have, like, those really different movies that are still, like, studio classics, but, you know, just have something about them. Like, definitely, maybe, Under the Tuscan Sun, She's All That, 
Um, Eat, Pray, Love. What's your number? What's your number? Oh, Chris Evans is amazing and Anna Ferris is so good. You know, the moral of this conversation is that rom-coms carry more weight than just being chick flicks, right? Like they have that deeper theme. There's more meaning. And like you were talking about your family and you know your sister and how she cries and your mother, how she could relate to crazy rich Asians, right? Like they cover those adult important themes and they go beyond just uh, your normal love story. Exactly. And the thing is, it, human beings, it's, it's a, a myth, a theme that across every single generation, across cultures, no matter what, across demographics, people love connection. People love to have a relationship with someone else, whether it be a friendship, whether it be romantic, whether it be mentor-mentee. I mean, we all want to connect with other people. And as you mentioned earlier, rom-coms just cover all of that. There's, there's universal themes of friendship, betrayal, love, lust, uh, coming of age, you know, what to do with your dreams, etc. Those are all covered in all the movies we mentioned today. Exactly. And like family, so important. Like thinking about all the different things, all those categories carry those messages through all of them. Like they're all tied together by, you had mentioned this earlier, um, that feeling of wanting a connection. Mm -hmm. So you want that connection and you feel that connection with these kinds of movies. And whether it's an aspirational connection or a realistic connection, you know, you know, I, I want something as beautiful as You've Got Mail or Sleepless in Seattle, right? Who doesn't? <laughs> But then you have that realism of La La Land where you can chase your dreams and become huge and successful and your life may go a different path, right? Like you have these connections with people that may or may not last, but the beauty of it is that you had them in the first place. And there's a reason those scenes and those themes and these movies stick with us yeah. because it explores that, right? So that's all the time we got for today, but thank you so much. You just for asked doing me this. to discuss my favorite topic right? with you for 25 minutes. Right? I could go on much longer, as I'm sure you can tell. Oh, yes. You know, just I will never get over the rom com genre. I love different types of movies. I love thrillers, action, horror. No, I don't like horror. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> me too. No, nope. right there with you. No. Nope. You cannot <laughs> force me to watch that. The only horror movie I've seen in theaters is A Quiet Place because John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. Are my a real power parents. couple that <laughs> you claimed a lot of parents. Today. A lot of parents. A power couple that is also worth mentioning at all times. They are adorable. My favorite princess when I was younger, if we're just getting into Disney very quickly, was Mary Poppins. Yes. I, that was something I told my parents. Like when they asked me my favorite princess, I said Mary Poppins. And Emily <laughs> Blunt did an incredible job with that. Apparently, John Krasinski cried during the movie. I mean, he did. Also a great couple. And when she won awards, you know. Uh, they're, they're, Can my future husband cry they're role models. Me? I mean, <laughs> that is relationship goals. <laughs> that's what I want. That is, that's the true meaning of Valentine's Day. <laughs> Shout out to you guys. Shout out to John Krasinski and Emily Blunt Ugh. at all times. My real, my real parents. You have, you can't have this many parents. I have people. so many parents. <laughs> they're, you know, last episode I talked about men I would let run me over with the car. This episode we're talking that's about interesting. celebrities. Maybe a little bit of toxicity there, but it's okay. <laughs> a little bit of toxicity. I, you know, a different kind of connection than I meant earlier. A different connection than the rom-com Still connection. a connection, I suppose. But yeah, thank you so much for sitting down on my special Valentine's Day themed episode. But I hope you guys learned something in this episode. I hope you uh, realized things. I hope for all you single men out there, you know how to talk to your girls. And for all you single women out there, you know how to take life by the pants. <laughs> and just move on, just do what you want. You are not bound to have your life be like a romantic comedy. You don't have to always get the guy, you don't have to miss out on that job or that career to find someone. You can do everything. We're all so independent these days, right? Like, 
independent women and men who don't need no man. Exactly. We can or achieve woman. more. Or man, man, woman, woman. Doesn't exactly. Matter. The journey is about having someone there to support you and be with you along the ride, not someone you leave your journey for. With that, thank you so much. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you on the flip side. Cue the music. Okay, listen, if you need any rom-com recommendations, please reach out and I will be more than happy to give you some of my favorites and ease you into this wonderful, heartwarming genre. We're going to pass on the quick quips this week only because I wanted to spend so much time talking about rom-coms with Abby and I wanted to keep the episode short. So keep your eyes peeled on the submission box on Instagram for next week and send all of them my way. Last time I did 30, so I'm really looking for you guys to step that bar up. Thank you so much for joining me this week on Listen. Be sure to visit our Twitter page at Listen with Roops, our Instagram at Listen with Roops, or our Facebook, which is, you guessed it, at Listen with Roops. While you're at it, because I crave validation and thrive on it, if you want to, shoot me a comment, like, review, whatever you want. Slide into those DMs. If you want to tell a friend about this pod, that would also be a real ego boost and I would genuinely appreciate it. Also, if you're a Bachelor fan, or watch any of the Bachelor franchises, check out take number 4.5, The Bachelor Banter Week 6, where I talk to my wonderful friend Lauren Evans on the side about the most recent Bachelor episode. This limited run of Bachelor-themed additional episodes will drop alongside my normal episodes every week. Thank you so much again, and have a wonderful rest of your week. And again, happy Valentine's Day.